The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What I'd like to talk about today is aversion. And I have all these notes here, but uh, while I was sitting I thought I'd rather just talk kind of more in an overview about this topic and, um, and then see uh, you know, what your questions are, what, how you uh, are with this in your lives and let the conversation come out of what's happening for you. So I'll, t- I'll try to keep this uh, short. So we've been talking a little bit about uh, the hindrances, the states of mind that tend to get in our way when we meditate, the, t- the states of mind that in terms of getting in the way, what that means is that they kind of pull us out of the present moment. Certain states of mind tend to um, um, get us thinking and reacting to um, our experience and tend to, to pull us out of what's actually happening in the here and now in favor of trying to fix something or change something or... Um, get something or have something or maybe fall asleep or just be scattered or perhaps confused about what to do. So these uh, states of mind that tend to pull us out of the present moment, there there are five of these, we could call them energies or um, energies is as good a word as any, that tend to... mm, agitate us, keep us from being with what's actually happening in the moment. And these five are um, sense desire, ill will, sleepiness, sloth and torpor is sometimes called, restlessness, and doubt. And I would like to kind of emphasize or focus on the question of ill will today and how that kind of gets in our way and how we can explore it because pretty much anything can be worked with in meditation. It's these energies take us away from the present moment primarily when we're not aware that they're happening, when we're not conscious of the fact that, oh, I want something to be other than it is. I don't like this thing. We start moving into the fixing and changing without even recognizing, oh, there's this feeling of not liking happening. And that's where it pulls us out. That's what, where it takes us away from this settledness. The hindrances are said to be, um, the, the, the reason they're called hindrances is because they tend to hinder or cover or block our ability of our mind to settle down. The ability of the mind to move into a state of unification, of ease, of peace, of settledness, essentially of concentration. And so ill will is one of those. Generally, with ill will, we are responding, reacting to something that's unpleasant in our experience. There's some unpleasant situation, unpleasant bodily feeling, unpleasant mood or state of mind, unpleasant situation in the world that we don't like and that we want to have ourselves not have to deal with that. So this having something unpleasant and not wanting it, wanting to fix it or change it or get rid of it or get myself out of the situation. That's you know, kind of two basic flavors of this ill will. I mean, the word ill will is, it may not resonate too much, um, but basically it's not liking what is. Having a, a sense of, I don't like this, I, I want to get rid of it. It's related to the, um, the term aversion, you just said, mm, don't like this. And it, the, you know, we, we can have two basic flavors of that, either wanting to uh, lash out to, to get rid of it. That outward form is in the ter- terrain of anger. Or we may want to 
retreat ourselves, you know, get ourselves out of the situation. And that's kind of more in the terrain of fear. So that, um, you know, this aversion, ill will can, can manifest in many different ways. And these are kind of two of the basic flavors, anger or fear. And so the, um, uh, the movement when we are you know, trying to settle our minds into the present moment, which is what we're working with in our meditation practice, our mindfulness practice, when we come upon something that we don't like and we want to get rid of it or get ourselves out of it, it's kind of like our whole being moves into that mode and we, we're um, not able to settle our minds in the present moment. Our minds are kind of going out into trying to get rid of or to fix or to change or, or kind of trying to find ways to get ourselves out of the situation. So we're not settled. We're not balanced. We're not at ease in our, in our minds. Now this movement towards aversion is a pretty natural thing. You know, it's kind of rooted in our biology. Um, if we didn't have this tendency to uh, try to get rid, try to try to you know escape from things that felt unpleasant, we would probably wouldn't be here as a species. You know, so this has been helpful for us in terms of living. And. Um, so there's certain things, you know, certain ways in which this movement away from unpleasant serves us. And I want to acknowledge that. And yet the attitude or the mind state of fear or anger rarely actually serves us. The, um, you know, the, the, there's a kind of a, it's interesting actually when the more we explore this, it, there's a kind of an adrenaline rush that can happen in our, in our bodies um, when we need to take care of something. And we, um, you know, there's that experience of the adrenaline flooding through the system that puts us into, a, uh, you know, either needing to take care of something. It kind of gives us the energy to do something. And, and yet we, um, we relate to that energy through either anger or fear, some, some kind of reactivity. So the, um, the aversion that's most mm, relevant for us to explore in our meditation in terms of seeing if we can recognize it happening as opposed to acting on it is the, uh, the reactivity to our unpleasant experience. This um, emotional container, the emotional sense of this is not okay the way it is. I have to do something about it. Now, it may well be, and actually sometimes I've seen when I've been in situations of actual physical danger. I was walking on a, a path and there was a, I thought it was a crack in the sidewalk. And I stepped up to that crack, and that crack coiled up and became a rattlesnake. And my body stopped and slowly backed up. <laughs> you know, it, I don't remember so much feeling the sense of, got to get away, got to fix this, got to change this. It was just like, this is how the body responded in that situation. So, you know, there's that kind of. Um, Experience when there's actually something physically dangerous in the moment. And in my experience, that actually brought me into the present moment. It wasn't taking me out of it. It was bringing me right into it. So that's part of the exploration here. What kind of states of mind in this aversive mode take us out of the present moment? Where are we going into our thoughts to try to fix, to change? Where are we going out into the world to try to fix, to change? Um, and not able to be here in the moment with what is. So that's, that's this exploration. And what is it that helps us to settle? And so much this movement to, um, of aversion takes us away from what actually is. So part of the exploration here 
is around the willingness to, first of all, to, you know, to see, to recognize that this is happening. It's so important. That's the first step, actually, for us in terms of um, um, not losing the, the attention or the losing our capacity to be present. The first thing to recognize is that aversion is happening. You know, that, that there is this sense of, don't like this, need to get rid of this, need to fix this, need to change this, this the sense of fear. So the first thing to acknowledge is that this is happening. Just a simple recognition, this is happening. There's so many different flavors of aversion. Sometimes it's helpful to, for myself, I found it helpful to actually make a list of the many, many different ways I felt aversion. And so I did. I I sat down and I just started, you know, writing these things. And I'm going to share some of these with you. Um, The ones that I... The ones that I um, found um, in my own experience that I was really familiar with. Fear, anger, bitterness, resentment, hostility, dislike, rage. Those are some of the stronger ones. Irritation. Annoyance, worry, some of the lesser ones. A discontent, frustration, also one of the lesser ones. Then there's the kind of worry, hatred, distrust, cruelty. Loneliness, a sense of being dissatisfied. So all of these were ones that, you know, I could just name myself and then I decided to go to the thesaurus and see if I could find some more. So here's some more. Loathing, disapproval, disgust, fury, disrespect, disparagement, contempt, humiliation, unkindness, meanness, spitefulness, disdain, disquiet, Anxiety, apprehension, dread, distress. So there's a lot of different ways this energy can be felt, can be experienced. So first, beginning to recognize these as aversion. You know, the bigger ones, the, the rage, the um, anger, those are maybe a little easier to recognize as aversion. The smaller ones, irritation, um, what were some of the others, a discontent, annoyance, those we may just kind of go right by, not really recognize as, oh, this is actually a state of mind that's kind of taking me out of the present moment. So just the simple beginning to recognize, oh, this is happening. This is a very, very helpful tool for us. Just even the acknowledgement, oh, okay, anger's happening right now. And even framing it that way in the mind. It's not, I'm angry right now. Anger's happening. Fear is happening right now. It kind of can take a little bit of the, well, it can help, release some of the identification around the, those states, some of the sense of it being my problem. It is just, it's very natural that this happens. You know, it's, it's a very natural part of life when something comes up that we resist or something comes up that threatens us. You know, and, and a lot of this threat, I mean, we, we have the, you know, the basic biological threats that happen, but the way our minds and bodies are put together you know, the, the mind is designed to protect the system partly through, um, you know, recognizing, oh, there's something out there that doesn't feel good. And uh, it's like our whole, our, our minds have put together this, uh, this sense of me, this sense of I, um, 
I, I am and I need to protect. It's like the, the mind has put together this uh, internal thing that needs to be protected. That, you know, so there's the, the actual threat perhaps to an organism, but that all also comes all through the mind. I'm not explaining this very well. <laughs> um, that essentially there's one, one neurobiologist neuro, uh, who talks about what's called the proto-self, which is essentially kind of a representation in our brains or in our minds of our system. And what we are trying to protect, actually, what this system, what this biological system, the mind is designed to do is to protect that map in our minds. Because protecting the map actually does a pretty good job of protecting the physical organism. And so this, um, this map gets conflated or confused with the physical organism. And in, um, you know, through our lives, through our history, we you know, come up with these senses of who I am, a sense of I am the person that needs to be seen, needs to protect myself. I'm, I'm the person that needs to be loved or whatever. And then the, this mechanism of protecting the organism begins to orient around protecting these identities that we have as well. So we, um, you know, this, this very natural process also gets kind of hooked into a process that doesn't actually end up serving us that well. Um, because it's protecting and defending an idea rather than the actual organism. And there is a, a, a correlation there, which is, I think, why the mind has gotten confused about that. There's a correlation between that idea of who we are and the actual organism. But the idea of, you know, needing to protect um, my sense of I'm the one who's right or, um, you know, that this is, this is uh, extra, let's say. So, so much of our aversion, so much of our needing to feel like we have to fix or change or defend or control is actually unnecessary for our safety, our security. But we believe it's, it's you know, there's a kind of a belief that it's necessary for our safety, security. So this is um, not something you have to believe, but what I'm asking you to do is to begin to explore when you are experiencing these states. And this is one important piece. You know, I came into this talk saying that these states take us out of the present moment. They take us out of the present moment when we're not conscious of them. And we're not aware that they're happening. And so part of our exploration in, in mindfulness is to begin to recognize them. Okay, yes, as I said, anger is happening, fear is happening. Confusion, frustration, irritation, annoyance are happening. That simple recognition, just that simple recognition is very, very powerful. So how do we recognize these things are happening? There's the um, kind of just a knowing in a way. I mean, some of us have a sense uh, of the state of our mind. You know, we have a sense of what it's like for our mind to be rebelling against something or wanting to go out and fix or change something. So there's that aspect. There's the kind of the state of the mind itself. And then there are thoughts that are associated with aversive states. The different flavors of aversion can come with different kinds of thoughts. And some people, for some people, it's not so clear the feeling of aversion, either in the body or the mind. That's the other big place that these states manifest is actually in our physical realm. You know, when we're fearful, often there's stuff happening in this part of the body. Actually, pretty much any, any strong emotion is felt in here, Right? Anger is felt in here. Fear, uh, frustration can be felt with a contraction in here. You know, uh, there's a, this is a lot of where we feel things in this kind of 
This is a visceral area of the body. It's kind of designed to be a very sensitive antenna. So we can also feel these things in the body. It's actually a really great place to explore this state. Another way, sometimes I've talked to people who don't seem to have that much ability to feel into their experience, and certainly this was true for me when I first started meditating. You know, I was living from here up pretty much and knew what I was thinking about but didn't have a clue what I was feeling. And so the thoughts can also be a a, a doorway into recognizing these, turning towards recognizing what kinds of thoughts are happening right now. So fear, you know, has the has the, the what-if kind of thought. You know, what if this thing happens? What if this bad thing happens? So that is typically the fear that is uh, the thing that takes us out of the present moment is that we're projecting into the future. You know, we are thinking thoughts about what's going to happen in the future. So naturally taking us out. So the fear has these, what if this thing happens? Anger tends to have a... Um, you know, uh, anger is often associated with some other person, you know, and the, 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 what's the story of anger? What do you think the story of anger is? What, what is your story of anger? The, the kind of bare bones framing of that. Somebody, anybody, what is your story? What is that? Something that I feel is unjust. Unjust, okay. So there's a, this is wrong. Okay, so this is wrong. That kind of story is happening. This shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Okay, so dissatisfaction with your own action. So self, uh, I shouldn't have done that kind of thing. I should have done something else. Okay, so those kinds of things. I should have done, that was not a good thing to do. I should have done something else. So that's another, another version of this. Anyone else? So I have a feeling of anger at the person who I feel is disrespecting me. Okay, so there's the, the you shouldn't have done that. Right. <laughs> I feel bad about that. Right. So, so, you know, that in terms of the thoughts, the thoughts would be something like, you shouldn't have done that. You did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So this is a contrast to this. You know, I didn't, I shouldn't have done that. Yes, okay. And then I feel I shouldn't be angry. <laughs> <laughs> so say, what do you mean? Say more. Well, uh, just the sense that ideally, I don't react to the feeling of being disrespected. So I sh- shouldn't. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Okay, so there's a kind of an aversion to the aversion, right? Right. So there's, you know, here's this thing happening, and I shouldn't be reacting to this. So there's should, shouldn't, shouldn't coming in, you know, shouldn't be happening, and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be reacting to this. That's a pretty good set. Um, I the the one of mine, one of mine is uh, is something like you've done me wrong. That you know, that's that's kind of how it. It comes out with me a lot with anger to the other person. Um, impatience. Well, the impatience um, is a flavor, a kind of a subtler flavor of aversion. You know, the story of impatience. Uh, it has different flavors, but the aversive flavor for impatience is kind of along the lines of this thing isn't worth my time. You know, well, this thing that I'm doing right now, this mildly unpleasant thing, maybe, is a waste of time. You know, so that, that's a little bit of the impatient, the flavor of impatience. Impatience also can come out in, a, in more of a greedy flavor than an aversive flavor, which is impatient for some pleasant thing. You know, so when I was a kid, I was really impatient for Christmas to come. I was also, you know, really impatient about school to end, you know, so it's got two flavors. It's got the, the, the kind of wanting something pleasant or get rid of this unpleasant thing. So recognizing the stories, the, the thoughts that come with aversion can also help us to identify, okay, this is aversion. So these are aversion thoughts. Aversion thoughts are happening right now. 
if we don't necessarily if we can't necessarily feel the aversion itself. So just this beginning to recognize, okay, this is happening. Aversion is happening. Very, very powerful, simple turning. The turning here is kind of away from the thing in the world that is making me feel like I need to get rid of this thing or get myself out of here. So away from the thing we are reacting to. Essentially, aversion is a form of reactivity. And there's something we're reacting to. So if we can turn our attention away from that thing that we're reacting to, towards the feeling or experience, the knowing of aversion itself, that's our first step. That's our first step in not being pulled out of the present moment by this state. And when we can do that, one of the amazing things that happens is we can cultivate our mindfulness on this experience. It's no longer a problem. It's no longer a hindrance for our meditation, for our ability to be in the present moment, if we can be in the present moment with aversion, knowing aversion. We can be in the present moment knowing that aversion is happening. It's no longer hindering us. It's no longer that um, thing that takes us out. Now, the thing that you mentioned there of, of, oh, oh, here's aversion, and then we react to that. Oh, I shouldn't be having this aversion. You know, that's, that's a common response, especially as we hear, oh, aversion is something that takes us out. We are experiencing aversion. We think, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. If I were, if I were doing things right, if I was a good meditator, I wouldn't be feeling this aversion. And so then we become averse to the aversion. So we kind of just have to, okay, Additional aversion is happening to, to really, I mean, part of what I want to encourage you in this, in this exploration is to get interested in this experience of aversion because we can learn a lot about ourselves and learn a lot about how our, our minds do this. You know, it's not really personal that this happens. You know, as I said, the mind is kind of confused about what it needs to do to protect and defend the organism. It's very natural that we have this response. So it's not something that we need to judge ourselves around, but it's really helpful to understand it, to get to know it. This is the whole movement of what the Buddha suggested. He said, when we're experiencing something that's difficult, something that's making us struggle, The word he used was dukkha, often translated as suffering, but that's a bit heavy. You know, it's not, it can be, it can be just even something that makes us feel a little bit off. When we're experiencing something that makes us feel a little bit off, the the Buddha said, it's helpful to pay attention to that. Get to know what that off feeling is. What is that? Because what we see as we explore it is that our minds are constructing this. Our minds are doing this. It's not actually inherent in the fact that there's something unpleasant out there. As you can maybe get a clue by seeing, you know, how different people respond to things. You know, even just something simple like, you know, some kind of food, you know. Sea urchin does not go well in my mouth, you know. It's not something I find pleasant. It's got an unpleasant experience. And yet I watch other people, you know, eating sea urchin. You know, it's like some people find it pleasant. I don't happen to find it pleasant. So we can begin to see that this notion of what we find unpleasant and how we react to it is put together in our own minds. It's not inherent in the thing itself. It's not inherent in sea urchin that it be disliked by humans. And, you know, we can, we can see this in many, many such situations. You know, it's not inherent in a traffic jam to be frustrated. It's a response to that. It's our mind creating ideas about the traffic jam, perhaps. I need to be somewhere else. This is, this is wasting my time to be in this traffic jam. So we have the ideas that come in. So the, um, uh, the exploration is to recognize that this is extra. 
It's not inherent. And this is a big part of what we explore. So we begin to see, okay, so there's this thing happening. We, we, we explore that itself. Turn away from the thing that's irritating us towards the feeling itself. That's our first step. And we begin to see that that is our mind doing that. And partly we begin to see that when we explore this experience. You know, we're sitting in a traffic jam, for instance. A simple example, but it, it, it's, it's widely applicable to pretty much any kind of aversion. We're sitting in a traffic jam. We may be, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, can't do much here, you know. I'm not going to get up and leave my car, so I'm sitting here in this traffic jam. Let me pay attention to the experience of being frustrated. And we may recognize from time to time in that exploration that the frustration vanishes, goes away for even like three seconds. It might go away. And then what's the experience? There's no problem. You know, maybe you, you find yourself actually, well, it's kind of relaxing here. You know, I, I'm not doing anything. You know, there's no place to go right now. The sun is coming in the window. That feels good. You know, it's like, what's happening? So the, we see perhaps that frustration fall away. And then we really get to see how much our minds do this how much our minds contribute to our struggles, to our suffering. The Buddha gave an analogy about this. He said that when a a normal person, a kind of an ordinary person, experiences something unpleasant, they experience that unpleasant thing, and then they they bemoan that unpleasant thing. They say, why me? You know, this is, you know, not, it shouldn't be like this. So that he says they, he, the people beat their breasts, their brows, and struggle and bemoan and lament. He says this state of mind is an unpleasant experience. So we have compounded the unpleasant situation, the traffic jam, with a mental reactivity, and it compounds the situation. So when we can begin to see that mental reactivity fall away, we see, oh, well, what's, ha- what's happening is just this thing. There may be some unpleasantness in this thing, this experience. And we see how much more it becomes unpleasant by the addition of the reactivity. So that's part of the exploration. When we, we start to recognize that that reactivity is extra and it begins to let go a little bit, that really gives the mind an education. It, we, we really start to understand how helpful it is to observe it. And so again, the movement is towards understanding, not getting rid of. The understanding of this process is what allows the mind to let go of it. You know, when we, when we really see, when the mind really sees that this is something it is doing, when the mind begins to understand that it's doing this thing, the mind begins to recognize, oh, I don't have to do that thing. Now, if we come in, you know, our, our, our idea of, oh, I need to be in control, this myth, mythological creature of self that thinks it can do everything... <laughs> when we come in with that and say, oh, here's anger, I should be able to stop this. I should be able to... We often find that we don't have that kind of control. You know, it's like, here's this thing happening. It's actually already kind of come into being. And we have this idea, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be having this. And that's bringing more of that energy of aversion to the aversion. Unwittingly reinforcing the aversion... It really is the willingness to allow, to be with, to explore, that begins to kind of educate the mind about this process of aversion. And giving the mind the education, the mind begins to recognize, oh, this way, this particular pathway of trying to fix, to change, to get rid of, you know, sitting in a traffic jam, this is not so helpful being frustrated. Nothing I can do about it anyway. So the mind begins to let go of that. Now this does bring up the question of 
when do we do something? When do we take action? And often this question, you know, this exploration around aversion in particular, um, people um, get the idea that Buddhist, Buddhism teaches non-doing, non-action in the face of injustice. And that's not exactly right. That's not exactly what it's teaching. It, it does teach that it's not helpful to approach a situation from an aversive energy with that mind state of this is, uh, this is wrong, this is bad, this is, this is um, you know, kind of that sense of got to get rid of this to fix it, to change it, got to get myself out of here. If we're approaching it with that kind of mental state, then essentially the Buddha says, well, what you're doing in that situation is cultivating more of that aversion and anger. He suggests that it's possible to engage in the world not from an aversive mind state, but rather from a compassionate one. So when there's injustice in the world, you know, when we see something like that, often it does come with the sense of this is wrong. I need to do something, fix this, change this. I need to get rid of this. This is bad. Often it does come with that energy, but it also often comes with the sense of Compassion for the person who's being injured or compassion for ourselves, a sense of, you know, this is suffering that this person is undergoing. This is suffering that I'm undergoing. And there's a natural response when we're not oriented around getting rid of things, fixing things, changing things from that aversive state. There's a natural movement to want to help. That's very, um, that's a beautiful expression of our humanity. So it's, uh, you know, pretty much when we're, when we find ourselves in that kind of situation, we'll find both of those energies. Find both of the, you know, the the state of mind of this is bad, you know, this is just got to stop. And we'll also find the sense of how can I help? And so I like to suggest for people, you know, see if you can land in the how can I help side. A little bit more of the how can I get rid of this side. Um, that will cultivate this more beautiful quality of compassion. Action can come out of compassion. And in fact, this compassion, they, 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 they've done some studies on monks who have a capacity for entering into the state of compassion um, and they, taking the brain scans, they see that when those monks move into that place of um, feeling compassion for the suffering of others, the part of the brain that wants to act is also engaged. So the movement of compassion is a natural movement towards action. What more do I want to say about this? A couple more pieces around exploring aversion, turning towards it. Um, two, two main pieces. One is around familiarizing ourselves with the feeling of aversion in the body, all the different flavors, you know, fear. Fear is happening, and how does fear impact the body? And that's a, you can use that almost as a question. So how does this, so aversion is happening. How is this aversion impacting my body? You know, fear often comes with uh, something in the in the stomach or contraction in the throat. Uh, anger, to me, often feels like a rising of pressure and heat. Um, anxiety often has a kind of full body, kind of quivering or uh, agitated feeling. So there's you know getting familiar with the flavor of the aversion as it impacts the body, and it's helpful in that exploration of looking at what's happening in the body to um, let go of the idea of the state of mind and really recognize, oh, okay, so what's happening here is there's contraction in the throat, there's a fluttering in the stomach, there's a feeling of pressure, of rising pressure. So turning towards the actual physical sensations that are happening because the physical sensations are not the same thing as the mental state. So to, to, it helps to clarify that a little bit, to, 
to recognize, okay, this is, this is the impact it has on the body. There is a mental experience of fear, and this is the impact it has on the body. There's this mental experience of anger. This is the impact it has on the body. As opposed to, I mean, we can sometimes conflate states of body and states of mind. And this, is, this can be interesting because uh, one teacher said it was very interesting for him to explore the state of body around different emotions. And he said, I discovered that the feelings, the physical feelings of anger, you know, the, the way anger impacted the body and the way that lust impacted the body were really similar. So if we're not careful in a way, we can confuse ourselves. I, I, had the, I had an experience of this at one point. I was sitting waiting for an interview and um, was noticing, typically sitting waiting for an interview with the teacher, I got kind of anxious. So that was a typical state, a, con- a condition, a, f- a familiar state in which I found myself anxious. And um, as I uh, was sitting waiting for this interview, I was feeling my whole body quivering. It's like, oh, must be anxious. Okay, anxiety's happening. And I just started recognizing anxiety was happening. And it didn't, nothing particularly changed. You know, it was, it was kind of odd because often when I actually met, by that point, in, that was on retreat, when I actually met what was going on, it began to shift and change when I could actually come into, oh, this is what's happening in the present moment. And so I began to get curious. Okay, well, what is actually happening here? Well, the body is kind of quivering. Wow, even my little toe is quivering. Wow, that's amazing. And as I felt that quivering energy, I felt it kind of in a flashing kind of sensation up through my body this way. And it was connected with a lightness. And it was connected with, oh my gosh, this is like rapture. This is, this is joy that's happening. This is not anxiety that's happening. So the situation that I was in led me to interpret this, the, the feelings as anxiety. So it's really helpful to be clear when you're looking at the body that you're paying attention to body experience, not the, not the mental experience. The other piece I'll bring in is that it can be very interesting when we're experiencing something aversive, we're experiencing that energy of don't like, Get curious about what is actually unpleasant in your experience. What we are, um, aversion, this state of aversion is almost always responding to something unpleasant that's happening. And we may not be cognizant of what that unpleasant thing is. So in the traffic jam, for instance... What is it that's unpleasant there? You know, you might explore that. You're sitting in a traffic jam. What is it unpleasant? Is my body unpleasant? Well, actually, it's pretty well supported. The body feels okay. And there's this uh, agitated energy in the mind. And that agitated energy is unpleasant, perhaps. But that seems to be a result of the reaction, not the cause. So what is the unpleasant thing? Okay, well... I'm not tasting anything unpleasant. That can't be that. Not smelling anything unpleasant. Okay, it's not that. Well, what is it? What is actually unpleasant? We'll often find in this exploration that what is actually unpleasant is an idea. It shouldn't be like this. And that's what we're reacting to. So this exploration around unpleasant, it can be it's kind of a fun exploration. Okay, body, you know, take, take your senses. Is it the physical body that's experiencing unpleasant? Maybe. I mean, there, there are definitely times when the physical body unpleasant can produce aversion. Knee pain or um, cutting yourself with a knife when you're, you know, there, there can be physical unpleasant stuff that we react to. But often, very often we are reacting to an idea. So checking through, what is it that you're actually reacting to? Physical body, smell, taste, sight, sound, or an idea? Really often, it's an idea. And the ideas are just ideas. 
ideas are conditioned. Ideas are often related to views and opinions about things as opposed to actually grounded in reality. So I thought I would talk for less time than that, but that's enough from, from me. Any, any comments or questions of, about this? Yeah, use the mic. Uh-huh. So I was just wondering about uh, the ideas thing. Um, would it be helpful to go through emotional states within the idea? Like in the traffic jam, oh, I'm going to be late. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a, something you wish other than. Yes. But what's... Would it be useful to say, well, maybe that's fear, maybe I'm going to be embarrassed? Well, often, yes. I mean, often when we come into and recognize it's an idea, often those ideas are connected with emotions. And so as you come into that and recognize, oh, there's this idea happening, then how does that idea land? Oh, there's that, that sense of fear of, oh, you know, the boss is not going to be happy or, you know, whatever. You know, there's, so there's, there's other ideas and emotional responses to those ideas. And that actually sometimes it's the emotions that we're, that we're reacting to, too. So there's the idea and there's the feeling of that. And often, actually, that's, that's a really good point because, well, the idea is there and the idea kind of... Whew, goes into our system and creates this emotion and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, this is a problem. <laughs> so, and that, that is also often what we're reacting to is the, how those ideas have, have landed in our system. So it's, it can, that can be helpful also, yes. Yeah. And, uh... Thanks so much for this talk. Um, I was reflecting on how a lot of um, aversion and ill will um, in my own life um, results from a situation where I'm helpless and how in my own meditation I've worked on um, trying actually to build capacity to stick with helplessness. Uh Uh-huh, yes. But the piece of this that I find very difficult is that um, helplessness can be very destructive and demoralizing, and I understand that identities are things that are easy for us to hold on to too closely, and that it's much um, healthier to have a more fluid perspective where, you know, harm to your identity isn't in reality harm to yourself. But there is an area where um, uh, you you can hurt yourself by uh, holding too closely to helplessness and Mm -hmm. The, the demoralization and destructiveness that comes from that, um, getting too familiar with being humiliated. And the, this line between building capacity to um, stick with helplessness when that helps you move into a state um, where you can respond uh, from compassion and wisdom and sticking with helplessness in a, in a situation where it's just hurting you yes. um, is, is, is really difficult to parse. So I was wondering if you had some thoughts about that. Uh, so I, I do. I mean, it, it, takes pra- it, takes some, it takes wisdom. You know, it takes some... Uh, so partly the way I explore it for myself uh, around this terrain is can I... So that there's, the, there's the being with something. Um, so there's, you know, the sensation of helplessness, for example. If in that being with, it can, the mind can be pretty relaxed about it. It's like, oh, this is just helplessness. This is how it is in the body. So it can be also really helpful when you're exploring something that's got a, a charge to it like that to check in. So there's this happening. How am I with this? Um, so there's the, the feeling of helplessness, and maybe there's a, a raging, this is not okay, going in the mind also. Um, so there's, if, if you're trying to stay with helplessness while the mind is also going, this is not okay, this is not okay, that's probably not such a good idea. So it's, it's, it's looking at when you can be present for something without too much of a feeling of, of reactivity to that thing. 
And part of the, part of the um, in my own experience, what I've discovered is that when I'm not so able to be non-reactive to the state itself, so we're, you know, we're, we're t- this would be reactivity to the helplessness itself or reactivity to the anger itself. When we're not so able to be present without the reactivity to that state itself, often we find we get sucked into the rabbit hole of it. As soon as you find yourself sucked, in, if you feel yourself headed in that direction, let it go. It's not so helpful to try to be mindful of something that's got that strong of a pull on it. I worked with anger from different perspectives. Um, I worked with it by trying to meet it, being with it. And at some point, for a period of time, I recognized, you know, whenever I try to meet this anger, I just get sucked into it. So this isn't so helpful. So whenever I saw that pattern come up, it'd be like, oh, there you are. It would just be that simple recognition. Okay, there it is. Anger is arising. So it wasn't trying to stop it from happening. And it wasn't, it wasn't trying to push it away. But it's like, yep, there you are. And you do your thing. I'm not going to try to be with you right now. Kind of put it to the side. And consciously turning the attention to something else. For myself, I found something neutral was really helpful in that situation. Sometimes people find it helpful to cultivate something more more positive like metta, you know, if you're finding yourself, if you have access to that, if while you're feel, if in that space of helplessness you can say, okay, I'm going to set that aside and remember, it's okay, I'm okay. If you can do that, that's great. Um, sometimes certain minds, my mind, when I tried to bring in that, I'm okay, everything's fine, you know, that kind of, not, you know, you know, this is not a major, you know, trying to bring in that, this energy of anger was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, you are ignoring me, <laughs> you're trying to cover me over, and it, that didn't work so well in my mind. And so I found I could let it be by turning to just something really neutral, like, oh, feet on the ground, and, and it, uh, I could just let that energy, that difficult energy be in the background, not, not try to stop it, not try to fix it, but also not give it any attention. So it, it does take some discernment. And for me, it took being pulled into that hole of, of anger over, and it's like, oh, I get it. Not so helpful. <laughs> Let me turn my attention away. So you may find for a period of time that you, that, that being with the helplessness doesn't serve you. And, okay, you know, it, there's a kind of a... I found that acknowledgement, oh, there you, there you are. It's kind of like meeting it, bowing to it, and then acknowledging it and saying, not now. With a really quiet, not now. It's not a, not now, go away. It's a, oh, I see you. And, and it's kind of connecting, in a sense it connects with the compassion of wow, this is painful, and this is not the time. So it does take some discernment, and at times we can actually meet it. So using, using your, your wisdom there. So we need to stop. Thank you for your attention.